Well, welcome Hickson, Dalton, Ringgold, Chatsworth, Calhoun. My name is Matt. Thanks so much for being here with us at Rockbridge today. We're going to finish up our summer series called The Struggle, It's Real. We've been talking about all summer. But before we get to that, I want to preview where we're going. Next week, we start a new series called We Are Family. It's going to be a great series where we just talk about the relationships that God wants us to have inside His church family. And let me just explain, Rockbridge, this is a fantastic time for you to invite a guest to church. I think there's three strategic times of the year where people are just ripe for an invitation from a friend or a coworker or someone. That's like Easter, January, and right around the time when summer vacation is ending, which is right now as people get back in their routines. So we've actually got a resource for you, a little invite card right here that's available for you after the service. You can pick this up, pick several of them up when you go to lunch or you go to breakfast. You can leave a good tip, invite your waiter or waitress, take some to work with you, or if you've got a friend or a relative, just a way to create a conversation to uh, bring someone to church with you next week for this series called We Are Family. Well, we've been struggling together all summer with various struggles that we have as human beings, or we, in, whether it's in, in relationships or our walk with God. And today we're going to talk about the struggle uh, that we have that kind of wraps up all these other struggles, and, and it's, the, it's a life struggle. But to illustrate that, I want to show you a little video clip. Some of you may have seen this guy before. He's at Braves Home Game. His name is The Freeze, and he races people uh, in the outfield during, in between uh, some of the innings. So uh, check out this video of The Freeze racing a fan. Beat The Freeze. They give the uh, contestant a head start, and then watch this guy in The Freeze suit. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Watch this, folks. I mean, the guy had, what, a 200-foot head start? At least. Look at this guy go. This guy is beautiful. That's great. That's great. Freeze hasn't been beaten all too often. As you can see, he's very fast, uh, even giving the fans a head start. But that brings up the struggle that we're going to talk about today, which is many people, if not most people, have strong starts, but fewer people have strong finishes. You know, you go to a, a, a wedding ceremony, like, man, that was a great wedding. But you know a great wedding doesn't equate to a great death-do-you-part, strong-finish marriage. Your first day on the job, hey, how was your day? How was your first day? Man, it was awesome. I'm so excited. Two weeks, two months, two years later, you, the, the enthusiasm for the job ha has waned. We get excited about the beginning of the season, and our team wins a couple of games. And then the, toward the end of the season, you know, we have a slower finish. So we all know that strong starts don't equate to strong finishes. I see this even in Christianity. I see people come back to church for the first time and they're really fired up and they're really excited. And, and then that sort of wanes and that sort of goes away and, and they kind of sputter in, in their walk with God. We see new Christians who like, man, Jesus is awesome. And they go forward, they get baptized, they get involved in the church. They're reading the Bible on their own. And then life happens and distractions occur and different things come up. And, and the strong start doesn't necessarily lead to a strong finish. And so really our final struggle that we want to talk about is how do we finish strong? How do we finish strong? It's your senior year. 
of high school or, or, or college. How do we finish, long, or finish strong? You're starting a new job this week. You're starting a new grade. You're starting your college career. You know, you're, you're excited about the start, but I would say you need to pay more attention to the finish. So how do you finish strong? You, you've just gotten married. You've been married 20, 30 years. How do you finish strong? You're walking with Jesus. You're considering walking with Jesus. You're just getting baptized. You've just been baptized. How do we finish strong? Because most people start strong, but very few people actually finish strong. And if we look in the Bible, there is more attention given to the need to finish strong than the need to start strong. In fact, you'll see Jesus talk about this word called endurance or perseverance. You'll even see things like those enduring to the end will be saved. And so there's this implication that we need to pay attention to how we finish. And and by another implication of that is there are things that can happen during the race that can impede or cause us not to finish strong. Just like our notorious fella friend who was racing the freeze. He thought he had the race won. He takes his eyes off the finish line, looks at the crowd, starts to fire the crowd up, trips up, falls down, doesn't even finish the race. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up, turn them on. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And there, the book of Hebrews, if you, if you read it from start to finish, here's the one-word theme of the entire book, perseverance, or you could say it, endurance. And so we're going to read a couple of verses here and, and just create some reflection and create some discussion in our minds and our hearts around our lives of are we set up to finish strong or are we susceptible to tripping up toward the end? Because our guy in our video, if you just said when he started that race, was he going to trip five yards from the finish line? He said, no way, no how. Very few people start their marriages at the altar saying, I do, saying one day I'll say I divorce. Very few people say that. Very few Christians say, hey, I'm ready to follow Jesus to the, to the end of my life. And then, re- and then can think, hey, 20 years from now, I'm not even going to be walking with Christ anymore. Very few people do that. So we have to pay attention to how we run if we're going to finish well and finish strong. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll start reading verse 1. Therefore... And this is in light of chapter 11, which is a list of people who were faithful to the end, a list of people in in the Old Testament who finished strong in their faith, in their journey, in their walk with God. And and let let me make a quick statement. Finishing strong does not mean finishing perfectly. Finishing strong does not mean you did not struggle or you didn't have sidesteps and missteps and trip ups. Finishing strong doesn't mean that. So therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witness, and that's the people in chapter 11, surrounding us. They're kind of cheering us on, saying it's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. Keep going, keep going, keep running. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Just a little insight. So he talks, if you can go back, just a little insight into what he's saying here. He says, every weight and the sin. So weight is not necessarily the sin. And we'll come back to that point, but see that in the scriptures. And the sin that so easily ensnares us as we continue. 
Let us run, and here's the theme with endurance. Let us run in such a way that we finish. Let us run in such a way that we not only start, but that we finish the race. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Some translations say the race that is set before us or the race that's marked out before us. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter or author and finisher. Jesus, God is into the race. Jesus sustains it. And Jesus, when our eyes are on him, completes the the race in us, the the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, now we're going to use Jesus as an example, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, so endurance is the theme, and what did he do? And he despised the shame, the shame of dying on a cross, and sat down at the right hand of God's throne, so he's rewarded, he's exalted uh, in heaven, for consider him who endured Jesus, such hostility from sinners against himself so that you don't grow weary and lose heart, so that you don't finish well, so that you don't give up, don't quit, don't lay up, don't let up, so that you finish strong. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, this weekend together. If I had to summarize Hebrews chapter 12, here's how I would summarize it in one sentence. Finishing well requires you and I to be faithful to the substantial. For you and I to endure in, in the substantial race, the race of life. And this is not like, substantial doesn't mean living a long life and having retirement. Substantial doesn't mean, you know, you kept the same job and were married to the same person for 30 or 50 years. That can be part of it. Substantial has something to do with this race that's marked out before us, this race that's defined and driven and inspired and created and motivated by Christ. And so we could put the opposite words up here to to understand the negative connotation of what's being said in Hebrews 12, that we don't want to let up or give up or quit, and we don't want to be sidetracked by the trivial as opposed to investing our lives in the substantial or the significant. Now, here's the truth about the race, and and, and again, this gets lost on us sometimes in Americanized Christianity. In Americanized Christianity, we don't always expect it to be, we we don't expect difficulty, we don't expect suffering, we don't expect adversity. In fact, we start questioning our faith or questioning our God when we go through those things. But the scriptural implication of Hebrews 12 is this, that a hard race does not mean the wrong race. In fact, in most things in life, and this is certainly true in Christianity, that a hard race might actually mean you're running the right race, that you're running the race that's worth it. You're running a substantial race. And that's why Paul says the need for faithfulness or the need for endurance exists in this particular race that we're running. And so what happens sometimes to you and I when when we think about finishing well or not finishing well is this. We put so much emphasis on the choice that that we, we forget about the commitment to honor that choice. So we, for example, we put our attention on who I'm supposed to marry or what job I'm supposed to have or where I'm supposed to live or what college I'm supposed to go to. And we don't really think about the choice to endure and the choice to remain committed. So let me say it this way. We put more attention on making the right choice than we do being, on being faithful to the obligations and commitments created by that choice. 
So you choose to marry someone, that creates obligations and commitments. And to finish well, you have to be faithful to those commitments, not just on the day you start your marriage, but on the very last day of your marriage, whenever that happens in, in accordance with God's plan and God's sovereignty. So we can't just emphasize, hey, making the right choice. We also have to have a commitment to be faithful to keeping that choice alive and vibrant and being faithful to it to the end. The second thing that Hebrews 12 would teach us is that finishing strong requires focusing well. That finishing strong requires focusing well. That an enemy that we have to watch out for is the enemy of distraction and the enemy of trivial things taking center stage and, and grabbing or competing or, or conquering our attention. And that's why the author in Hebrews 12 says, keep our eyes on, on Jesus, that distraction could be a problem. And this kind of alerts us to, you know, we as Christians believe we have an enemy named, named Satan. This kind of alerts us to one of his schemes. And this is really his play, that Satan loves to present options that are really distractions. And those options are perceived in our minds and perceived in our hearts as pleasure, as comfort, as relief, as freedom, as an indulgence, or as independence. And these options present themselves, and we seize them or we follow them, but they're really a distraction from the race that lies before us. They're a distraction from the substantial. And today, this is like a huge issue because think about all the options that we have in the West or that we have in America. In fact, there's like psychologists have created or redefined a new fear that exists, and it's the fear that we feel when, we can't, when we're away from our cell phones or we can't log into our social media accounts. It's called the fear of missing out. And it's abbreviated F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out, because there's so many options and so many things going on. And, we, and if we're not careful, listen, we get distracted by the trivial and the non-substantial. And, and when we're distracted, we can't be faithful to the substantial. And so if we're going to finish well, we have to understand the race requires endurance and the race requires attention to the right things, the substantial things over the trivial. So what we'd like to do this morning, this is going to be a little different message. In fact, I'm going to have help preaching this message from our campus pastors, some of our campus ministers who are going to come up and, and finish this up as we create space in our hearts and our minds for really life reflection. Because we're all running some kind of race. Now, the race you're running may not be substantial. Or, or, or maybe it is, but you're, you're not, you, you've lost faithfulness. Or you, we just need to pause because we sometimes just do not self-evaluate, self-assess, self-reflect to know, as I'm running today, am I, set, am I set up to finish well tomorrow? As I'm doing marriage today, as I'm following Christ or not today, am I set up to finish well, to endure, to finish the race with endurance as I'm walking through school today, as I'm going through my teenage years, my college years, my single, my single adulthood, as I'm walking through these ways, am I running and am I walking in such a way that will set me up to finish well? If we don't ask that question, we're like the guy racing the freeze who thought everything was going great, who thought he was going to be one of the few in the proud to ever beat the freeze, and he trips up face first in the dirt, five yards from the finish line. 
So let's run the race with endurance. But to do that, let's create questions. Ask ourselves those questions honestly that will produce some reflection. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to give us about four questions just for you to self-evaluate, for you to self-assess, all with the goal of finishing well. First question is this, does it help me run? Does it help me run? Now I get this question from the language in Hebrews that says we need to lay aside every weight and the sin. So many times in our lives, in our journey, here's what we say. Is there anything wrong with it? If you're a Christian, you'll say, hey, does the Bible say anything about? Is there any, you know, I, don't, I can't find a verse. I can't find a passage. Hey, pastor, do you have a passage? Or how far is too far? Or, or we'll ask questions like, what's the moral thing to do? Or, hey, is that ethical or is that not ethical? And, and if we're not careful, we just become minimal, minimal moralists where we're just trying to get as close to the line as possible without going over. Or our sole concern is, hey, right and wrong. Just right and wrong that doesn't necessarily mean you'll remain faithful to the substantial. So that's why the author of Hebrews throws this little word, this little phrase in that says, Anything that could slow you down in the race, you need to lay it aside. You need to let it go. You need to move on from it, drop it off, get rid of it, treat it as you would a sin. So does it help me run? That is a game-changing question for finishing well in the, in the struggle to finish strong, in the struggle to move forward. Does it help me run? Because there's a lot of things where you could say this about well, there's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't help us run. So I, I have the, a stated goal every year around this time of year is to try to work in an illustration from Discovery Channel Shark Week into a sermon. And so this year will be no exception if you've watched any of the, the Shark Week episodes. The, the kickoff one was Michael Phelps, you know, the most decorated uh, Olympian in, in history. He was going to race a great white shark or a simulated version of a great white shark. A little controversy on that. But what's amazing is to watch a swimmer of, of Michael Phelps' intentionality and Michael Phelps' excellence at how much he goes through just to swim fast. And, and in this particular episode of Shark Week, they even reconstructed or designed a suit that was a bodysuit for Michael Phelps that simulated a shark skin because a shark skin is designed for a shark to move quickly through the water. And so he was wearing that. And so when you think about swimmers and, and how you know they have their hair you know, kind of covered into their swim cap and there's, they, they shave and they shave their bodies and all that kind of thing. You don't see like a guy with a Duck Dynasty beard getting in the pool with a Speedo trying to swim really fast, right? Why? Because the beard doesn't help him swim fast. Now, is there anything wrong with having a Duck Dynasty beard? No. But the question is different for people who are trying to start strong and finish strong the question is, does it help me run? Does it help me go fast? And you've got to put everything in your life on the table and underneath that question. You've got to put what you watch on TV in underneath that question. You've got to put what time you wake up in the morning on that question. You've got to put your social media habits underneath and on that question. You have to put your job on that question. You have to put some of your friendships or acquaintances underneath that question because the 
goal is to run the race with endurance, to finish strong, to finish well, to finish and make it to the end. And sometimes there are things that we can't call them a sin, but they certainly are a weight that slow us down, that might trip us up. So the question I just want to create in your mind and your heart and your soul around your life this morning, whether it's this, this day, this morning, this, this, the marriage you're in, the finances that you're going through is, does it help me run? Second question, second question. What is consistently grabbing my attention? What is consistently grabbing my, my attention? The author of Hebrews tells us that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, that he's the finish line. He's his own reward. He's the one that we're aiming for, looking for, taking our cues from, nothing else. Now, think of all the words that, that we have and the phrases that we have around this word. Well, it caught my eye. Well, something's competing for my attention. Something grabbed my attention. So we have all these words that cue us in that, 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 that this right here is something that we have to pay attention to and, and focus on lest we get distracted, lest we trip up in, in our race that we're trying to run with endurance. And for this one right here, this is where being in a small group of other people, other runners is so insightful. This is where like asking your, your spouse or, or like your best friend or people that are watching you run are saying, hey, do you see me kind of getting distracted by anything? Or do an energy, do a time, do a focus audit. Do an audit of your emotional energy. And, and ask yourself, what's consistently getting my attention? And if it's not Jesus, because Jesus defines what substantial is, if it's not Jesus, then, then perhaps you and I are susceptible to not finishing well. Perhaps we've got a problem. And, and this is why this is so important, because we would all say this. We would say, hey, direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. If I get in my car and get on I-75 south, then, and I stay on it long enough, I'm going to eventually reach Atlanta. Direction, destination, they're related. But what influences direction? What influences getting certain places? It's not only direction, but it's also attention. It's what I pay attention to. So if I get on I-75 with the, in south with the intention of getting to Atlanta, that's good, right? But let's say around like Calhoun and Cartersville, I start texting while driving. So now something is influencing my attention and my ability to stay focused. And so, you know, I know we could have a wreck. We could have an accident. We could run off the road. A thousand things that could happen that are not good. That's why you can't just say, hey, I'm on the right path. I'm taking steps. You know, you have to say, what am I focused on? What am I paying attention to? The guy in the freeze video, he took his eyes off the finish line. He started trying to pay more attention to the crowd than he did to finishing the race. You too can pay attention to the crowd. You and I can pay attention to the wrong things, even if we're on the right path and still up, end up with the wrong result at the wrong destination. So we have to ask ourselves, what is consistently grabbing my attention? You have to have people in your life that will tell you honestly what they see, your emotional energy, your mental focus, where they see that drifting, or where they see that going towards. Third question we want to ask is this. Am I growing to believe and trust more in God's sovereignty and in God's love? Now, this is so important because in this, 
In this passage, we see where he says the race that's set before us. That literally means the race that's prepared for us, the race that God has put us on, that God in his sovereignty has designed life and designed a race, and we want to step into that and participate in that. And even though it has adversity, we're convinced that God is a God of love and it means for our good. Now, the way you see that in the Hebrews 12 passage is he talks about Jesus going onto the cross and enduring the the shame of the cross, that's our shame he took. That's our sin he took, which means God is a God of love, so we can trust God's sovereign control of the race. Now, here's why we need to have a firm understanding of this theological concept or have an understanding of this view of God. It means we're not fatalist. It means we're not just kind of resigned to whatever happens. It means we're not victims. It means that God is authoring a story. It means that God is writing a story that God is committed to finishing a story and God has invited us to participate in that story. And I'm convinced that if we're going to finish well, and this isn't necessarily true of an eight-year-old, but as you get older, there's a growing sense that you are participating in a story that you're not the author of, but it's the story that God and his sovereignty and his love is writing and he's written us into it and we're just living our lives out in front of that and that's running that race, being faithful faithful to the substantial. But if you don't believe this about God or this gets shaky, you get tempted to grab control, grab the reins. You get tempted to say, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why is that going on? And you will spend all your time asking why questions instead of keeping your eyes on Jesus and running forward the race that's marked out for you, set before you, running that race with endurance. So we have to have some core beliefs that God has designed the race And God has infinite love for us as demonstrated by his son's death on our behalf so we can trust him as the source or the author and the perfecter of our faith. Final question for reflection this morning is this. What particular joy is driving me right now? And and this might be one of the most important questions for us to consider because we're all, every single one of us, you're, you're, you're not a Christian, you've been, in, you've been out of church forever, every single one of us, Christians, non-Christians, Muslims, Asians, Westerners, it doesn't even matter, it's just a human thing, we are all looking for that. We're all pursuing that. And we can find it in a whole lot of things. The trivial stuff can bring us some degree of joy. It's the substantial that brings us lasting joy and brings us eternal joy. And so Jesus endures the cross. Jesus suffers. Jesus hurts. Jesus bleeds. Jesus dies for the joy. So there's a particular joy that Jesus was after. For the joy that lay before him. It was the joy of his father putting him, seating him at his right hand, exalting him to this position of honor. It's that joy, that reward that Jesus was going for. So so listen, we can all have joy. We can have the joy of pleasure, but it can be a deceitful pleasure. We can have joy that's temporary, that joy that's short-lived. So we can't run For joy that's going to deceive us or trip us up or distract us, we have to run for the right joy. And and what happens to a lot of us is is what I'll call joy confusion because we just want joy and and we want this pleasure. We want this experience and we don't consider the long-term implications. So we got to have it now. We got to have it immediately. And that can trip us up and we won't finish well. 
So don't confuse the joy of comfort and relief with the joy of running the right race. See, sometimes you'll quit something and you'll have the joy of relief, but you quit that something way too soon. You should have invested more in your marriage instead of quitting too soon. You shouldn't have walked out of church 10 years ago. So sometimes you have to understand, hang in there. There is a joy deeper than simply the joy of comfort and immediate relief. There's the joy that's deeper and, oh, thank God that's over. There's the joy that comes from enduring, that comes from persevering, that comes from hanging in there and being faithful to the substantial, being faithful to the story that God is authoring in Jesus Christ. So my prayer, my hope, is that those four questions centered around this passage of Scripture might help you do a couple of things. Maybe you need to just return to being faithful to the race that God has for you. That you just need to return to being faithful. You, you've, you've just deviated, you've let up, you've slowed down, you've stopped, you've pulled to the side of the road, but you need to return to faithfulness. For some of you today, it's redefined substantial. That really, you, you've realized that, hey, maybe, maybe I'm investing in things that really are trivial in light of what God is doing and has done in His Son, Jesus Christ, and that God is inaugurating an eternal kingdom, and I'm participating in a temporary one. So maybe for you it's redefined substantial around the God-man, around the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. And then hopefully out of this, you can begin to recognize some next steps that you need to take in your life. And that's what's going to happen next is our campus pastors, campus ministers are going to come up after I pray, and they're going to help you continue this reflection Continue to return and redefine, but ultimately to help you maybe recognize next steps you need to take in the race before you with your eyes on Jesus. All across Rockbridge, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, God, that when we are unfaithful, you cannot help but be faithful to yourself, to your character, to your eternal love, to your goodness. And God, we just want to rest in that. God, even if we have deviated, become, been unfaithful, gotten distracted by the trivial, the invitation is open today to return to faithful, to redefine what it means to be substantial, and to begin running in such a way that we'll finish strong and we'll finish well. So God, give your people clarity this morning around next steps they need to take in cooperating with you in participating in the story that you are authoring, the story that you have promised and pledged to complete. So right now, Jesus, with our eyes fixed, focused on you, would you speak to your people in all of our campuses this morning? In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen.